everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports. I'm your, I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, and we're brought to you by Crossman's Golf and Country Club in Burlington, Ontario. Mark Twain, once said, famous author, Mark Twain once said, golf is a good walk spoiled. But Mark Twain never played Crosswinds. Shania Twain has played Crosswinds. It's a beautiful golf course. It's fun to walk. It's not a good walk spoiled. It's a good walk enjoyed. Great views, fabulous food, and the nicest people you'll ever meet. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. We're also welcoming another sponsor to the show. His name is John Vassos, and he's a mortgage specialist. You know what that is? Well, let me give you an example. Why would you go to a jewelry guy to get a mortgage? Come on, we'll give you a mortgage. Don't. Go to an expert. Go to John Vassos. He can't cut diamonds, but he'll go above and beyond what any other mortgage agent will do. You can call or text John anytime with questions. I can't believe he's going to do this. Here's his number, 647-533-1440. You can call or text him anytime with questions. Anytime. Can I call him Johnny V? You probably can. And he wanted to become a sponsor because he listens to this podcast. So we know he has good taste. He's got excellent taste. And he <laughs> wants to meet all the other Toronto sports fans. He's a huge sports fan, too. So John's at 647-533-1440. So anyone who's got a mortgage coming up or, or needs a mortgage, another mortgage, anything to do with mortgage, oh, anything, everything. you talk to Johnny V. Yeah, you can Johnny V. Today on the show, I'm going to tell you about the time I had to fly from Edmonton, Alberta to Shreveport, Louisiana in one day. I was calling Leaf games and I was calling Argo games and I had to, and it was in October and I had to get from one place to the other. What a story. What a trip. The Argos, by the way, pulled off a huge win last night in front of uh, basically friends and family. <laughs> like not too many people were at the game. Johnny Manziel makes his CFL regular season debut. He hasn't played football since the year of the small potato, but he's going to start. I haven't I can't remember what he looks like. I mean, he was in one exhibition game for a couple of series. And Vladdy Jr. Hasn't even made the majors, and already he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So this is overhyping. Are we overhyping? Who's more popular, Johnny Manziel or Vladdy Guerrero Jr.? I can't believe you're asking that question, but we'll you say know what that. I mean. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Vladdy Jr. was hitting 400. Johnny Manziel hasn't played in three years. Well, one of those two men walk on water, so we'll, we'll get to that. There's All right. Okay, so let's start with um, the, these Blue Jays who, like, last night started... Uh, no, not Axford. He's gone. He didn't get to start. He would have been great. Clippard started for the Jays. They were in Seattle, which, which Richard Griffin of the Toronto Star calls Rogers Center West. Right. Right? The crowd in Seattle for Jays are way louder than the crowd for the Jays here in Toronto. Way louder. Take the trek down from Vancouver and BC and wherever. I mean, Jays fans are everywhere. They travel well. And the Seattle fans hate it. And the Seattle uh, management can't stand it. They don't like the fact that the home team is getting ripped off here. I think it's the greatest thing. It's like it's like the Ottawa Senators when they tried really hard uh, to uh, limit ticket sales uh, for Maple Leaf fans. Right, like Leaf fans had to lie and say they were Senators fans to get tickets. Ridiculous. So the Jays end up winning the game. What was the name of the guy, the pitcher? What was his name that won? Mike Hauschild. Mike H A U S C H I L D. Mike Hauschild got the win. I've never heard of him. I'm going to bet the first time you heard his name is when he came into the game. I've never heard of him. He's probably never heard of me. I don't no, think I should, Griffin I shouldn't say heard that. of him either. Richard Griffin hadn't heard of him. Nobody had heard of this guy. He came out at left field, literally. <laughs> All right? 
So he wins. The, he's the winner. It just goes to show you where the 2018 Jays are going. Anyway, uh, so Griffin had a great article in the Toronto Star, um, which I had to pay for, by the way. It was like 25 cents or something, because like, I've run out of my free articles from the Star. I thought so. Yeah. I had to pay. So I know you out. have to register. You, you got to register, and then like, and then you have to. It's sort of the promise that you're going to end up paying. That we're going to bill you soon. At some we're, point, at some point, we're going to bill you. They'll anyway. tell you it'll cost money. So yet, you know, and then I said, you know, it's for sure that was worth twenty five cents. Griffin's article for sure. I would have paid. No kidding, I would have paid a buck and a half, two bucks for that article just to read. It was really, really good. Anyway, he goes into the five reasons or five reasons why as if there's just five but he pointed out five what happened to the jays like the the downfall of the 2018 Toronto Blue Jays so basically it was Donaldson's injury Sanchez's finger Stroman's shoulder. I feel like you should slow this down. Like we need a drum roll or something. All right, this okay. Like, you got a drum roll? I, I, I have one. I, I get so no, one. I mean, so I'm just giving you the highlights here. He's this is what he goes. Osuna's arrest, of course, uh, and Jaime Garcia's failure. But you sort of have to put it into perspective because were the Jays a contender before all this happened? No. Y- yes, they were. No, we were hoping to maybe compete for the second wild card spot. All right. So you think that that this team wasn't a contender to start the season, that management was delusional, that that uh, by getting Jaime Garcia as your number five starter, adding him with Stroman, who's healthy, and Sanchez, who's healthy, and Estrada, who's healthy, and J-Hap, who's healthy, with a fabulous starting rotation. The number five guy, okay, he's a lefty, fine. You had, what did you have? A healthy jo- Josh Donaldson you expected to have at third base? Like former MVP, right? Um you know, you got Russell Martin, who you're thinking maybe he'll hit 220 this year, not 170. Kevin Pillar, he was due for a good year this year. You added this guy, Jervis Alarte, who, you know, had a cup of coffee and did pretty well for about a month or six weeks uh, in San Diego, right? And now you're Justin Smoke, and, uh, you know, you got a pretty good relief core here now because you got Osuna anchoring the bullpen. You're thinking the Jays of 2018 really do have a chance to contend. That's what management thought. Never mind they didn't have Bautista and Encarnacion. It didn't matter. The Jays of 2018 looked really good on paper. But really, in reality, these five things that Griffin points out, plus something that Griffin wouldn't have known about it, no one would, was the abject failure of this team to hustle on the bases and defensively. Never have I seen a Jays team as lackluster in their attitude to play hard. And if that's not fair, I'm sorry. But at least Donaldson, when he was healthy, played the game a certain way. Hustled out plays, you know? Not to, didn't save himself by not running up the line, you know? Because I got another at bat coming or something like that. That's one of the excuses I heard about Solarte. Uh, and, you know, I've, I was on the, his case from the first time I saw the guy. So... The attitude of the team to me was very, eh, well, you know, we're not going to win it this year. And then as soon as management realized that they weren't going anywhere, fire sale, bring up the kids, hype time. So, I mean, really, when you look at where they started the season, and you're always optimistic in spring training. And what happened? What happened to, like Sanchez was the ERA leader. The guy, the finger, this is the Al Leiter finger from 1992. Oh, my God. What happened to Sanchez's finger, right? And I haven't even mentioned Tulowitzki's bone spurs of his heels and, you know, um, a, a bunch of other injuries. You can't help injuries, certainly. But 
honestly, this team just, what a disappointment. And, and these injuries and the Stroman thing early this year, the, he missed, what, 45 days or something like that, Stroman, because he said, no, I'm fine in spring training. He had no, bi- no business. Stroman had no business going out there earlier this year and stinking the joint out. He needed to step aside and take one for the team. He needed to say, I can't pitch. My arm is killing me. My shoulder hurts. Bring up one of the kids or find somebody else. But instead he went out there and I mean, he's one of the reasons why the Jays fell behind early and that was it. I mean, they had a chance to get to within a game of 500, which is like a big deal to some people. If we can only get to 500, it's as if if you got to 500, the rest was like downhill all the way easy. We got to the top, we're at 500. So this magical, you know, get to 500 thing is such bull. You know, when the Yankees are 73 and 29 and you're, oh, we're going for 500. I'm, come on. 500 means nothing. Nothing at all. There's only one thing. You know, how close are you to the lead? How many games are you out of the wild card spot? How are you playing in the American League East? Can you beat these other teams? And the answer early on was, no, ugh, terrible. We had to depend on Jay Happ and we had to depend on and uh, Osuna, who was great up until the end of May. And then, you know, that, that's another story on its own. But Either the team was distracted or the team just wasn't put together or John Gibbons was playing out the string or whatever, but I just I don't like the attitude on the team this year. And I think if you're striving for 500, it's time to blow it up. Let's see the kids, okay? And I think every fan will tell you, I'll take two years of misery knowing that in 2020 or 2021, we're going to have a contender. Promise me that. And it looks like that's the way management's going. But this year was a crapshoot and it just didn't work out at all. Kind of disappointed. What about you? Disappointed? Or did you expect this, Mike? Hepsi, we were always starting the season in the AL East, right? Like, this is not like we thought, oh, maybe they're changing divisions here. So we always had Red Sox and Yankees in our division. One of them was going to win the pennant, and one was going to win one of the two wild card spots. Okay, right. so from the get go, they spend, they spend, they spend. Those look at those lines on paper. The he says, "You, I'm going to quote you <laughs> on paper." The Jacob Barry, take a look at the Red Sox and look I at the know. Yankees on paper. Are you kidding me? So uh, we were always hoping to maybe, if all things fell in our favor, maybe we'd compete for the second wild card. That was the dream from the get go. But everything had to break. Was in that our the favor. dream? Is it a dream I, to get I into can a one pull game? Some clips of is me it a dream to get that. into a one game winner take all just and In 2018 and what, yes. and, and, yeah and, and and let's um let's burn out our pitching staff and then when the day comes that we're playing that one game we got no arms we got to call at least you, at we got to call the game. mike hoshell <laughs> because we have nobody at least you're in the game right we got to call jose reyes okay with a, a, a trailing 25 to 1 so he can hit whoever it was with a 55 mile an hour pitch i mean this has become uh, let me give you credit on something and then shoot you down again so the credit i'm giving you is that you said osuna would never play another game for the blue jays it started to look like he would and i was surprised because what now nah, what do you mean it's but, but you were well, right what do you mean it started to look like who were you talking to uh, i what? wasn't i was reading quotes from, uh, from people on from adkins yes. but he was the one who said we welcome him back what was right. he gonna, what was he so, gonna say we, go, we know he, he beat the snot out of her we know we heard pictures. Cops have told us quietly, and then so we decided right, right then okay. and there that we're going to shop. So him. you were they, right. They've been shopping him for two months quietly. Shh, we don't right. want to tell him. But what are you going to tell your fan base? Well, Roberto Osuna is not welcome back to the Blue Jays at all because if he says that, that's guilt. And the other thing is, you is don't that have to say he can't control the lawyer. 
The lawyer is like, geez, the team shouldn't have said that. Right, because the he's lawyer pleaded not guilty. Oh, as soon as the lawyer is going, why is the team doing that? Right? Well, guess what, buddy? There's a criminal case here. We're not talking about saving a, a, the Blue Jays. Nobody gives a snot about the Blue Jays franchise here. Right. This is the so, stock. This, his is, lawyer. Okay. this is this is Rogers stock. This yes. is their uh, PR you know, disaster. For sure, man. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, well, it turns out you're 100 percent right. And I thought it was actually a really strong deal for the Jays considering. This yes. was a asset we had to move. Like I was impressed with the move. I thought it was a good deal for the Jays. But you were right about that. And uh, by the way, uh, the lawyer of Osuna, his point is, of course, that all he cares about is the court proceedings in which Osuna is still pleading not. Sorry, he's pleading not guilty. So in the court of law, mm-hmm. he's he's not being accountable for his actions. Meanwhile, you know the Seattle. Uh, where did he go? Houston guy is saying, you know, he's remorseful. Well, what are you remorseful for if you're pleading not guilty, right? There was a conflict there. Yeah, so the it's when someone says they're sorry and they've got no reason to be sorry. Like, yeah, wh- like I had done, I had said something on the air once at uh, Global. I'm trying to think. It was a video. It was a video of a kid who got hit, a little kid that uh, during a halftime or whatever, someone threw a soft little bounce pass and the kid missed it and hit him right in the head, right? A little blonde kid with long blonde hair. And so when it, and we ran it in slow motion, it was the Hebsey Awards. And so when the ball hit the kid in that forehead, the way the kid's hair flew just made it seem like it was worse than it was, right? It just was one of those things. And my comment was, kid, you're playing the wrong game. Now, one, one guy... One guy thought that's a racist term. In other words, Hebsey is saying this is a game for blacks. Oh. This is the way this one view one viewer on Global Sportsline viewed that comment. And they said, that, that's a racist term. This was 1980, whatever it was. Anyway, they called my boss. I got called up on the carpet. Right? They yeah. had the tape ready. But they played it for me. I go, I know this just happened last night or two nights ago. They played the tape. And then they looked at me and said, well, I went, well, what? <laughs> Sportsline is one of the most irreverent programs. We ad lib all kinds. Mean, you think that was racist? I mean, I'm saying, kid, you're in the wrong game. And they go, yeah, well, he's a, but he's a white kid. I go, got nothing to do with his color. The kid missed the ball and hit him in the head. Right. Like, anyway, so this is what people can do. They can take something and they can twist it any way they want. And what's the vocal minority, right? The vocal minority is the one guy. Okay, he's in the minority, but he's the loudest. And this guy complained and wanted an apology. And my boss has said to me, well, you're going to apologize. And I go, no, I'm not, because I didn't do anything wrong. Wow. Okay, so I'm not apologizing. And they said, well, this one viewer represents, you know, thousands of viewers. I go, no, this one viewer represents one viewer. The thousands of other viewers are happy with the show, and they don't call in to say, hi, I'm happy with the show. Got it? So they didn't understand this. And this is when I realized... The squeaky wheel gets the grease. The loudest person, even right. if it's one guy or one politician or one going off the rail somewhere, makes the most noise, okay? Stirs up the most shit. That person gets usually gets what they want. Okay, we'll appease you. Stop it already. And they wanted me to, and I didn't. Where was I? So you did, but you, you did finish that story though. Did I you didn't, apologize? Nope. You did not apologize. I well, did not apologize. Because you knew your intent when you said the statement. <laughs> you race was not in I your know mind. I'm not a, I know so. I'm not a racist. And I know I didn't make <laughs> a racist. That is a stretch. And I know I didn't that, make uh, a racist statement. Right. Okay, right? And right. if one person thinks I'm a racist and is calling my bosses to say, get him off the air or get him to apologize, you got to find something better to do. All right. So you were right about Osuna never playing another game in Toronto, but you were wrong. You told me also that Tulowitzki would come back I did. this year stronger, I did. strong because the bone spurs would and be And I gone. did. And you know what? Listen, I, I, a friend of mine who's an orthopedic surgeon, we were talking 
talking about bone spurs. He, doesn't, he didn't know. He didn't have intimate details of the case, right? right? But he basically said, look, the guy's been trying to play, and he's, you know, he's in pain whenever he was at bat. He couldn't play much in the field. He couldn't run. The bone spurs, this is what they do. It feels like you're being jabbed with an ice pick in the back of your, your heel. That's the feeling. Okay, so he said that if Tulowitzki got it done when he did, which was in March, right? He said he should be. They put him in the 16th. He should be okay for, like, July. Now, I, I saw... Shots of him in Oakland, taking grounders and whatever, and in the batting cage, he looked fine. But he's got such an ego that he he is not going to come back unless he feels he's 100%. So kind of like Strowman said, no, no, I can go. You got an ego there. But in his case, he does not want to come back and look bad. He doesn't, when he comes back, he had better be in fine form. Because you don't, he doesn't want someone saying, oh, yeah, look, he's finished, he's done. Remember, we still got a, another year plus on his contract. So you think he will play again? For as sure. A Blue Jay? Yeah, I think he will. And I'm I less think, confident. And I, no, no, but I think he will. And I also, th- but I also think that he will not come back unless he thinks he's the Tulowitzki of old. Very Joe DiMaggio-ish. If I can't play to the level that I was accustomed to, I'm not going to come back, especially he's been off this long. So you're right. I, I, had, I had heard that there was a good chance that if the bone spurs... Uh, healed properly, uh, he would be back in the lineup, but he obviously doesn't feel that way. Oh, he looks fine when he's taken infield and all that. He's never given a timetable. Two weeks away, a month away, September, never said a word. Quietest guy in the world. But he's making big, big dough. Right. And he'd better contribute in some way, shape, or form. And remember, when he when we traded for him, there was rumblings about future Hall of Famer Tulowitzki. Huh? You heard that from, from, from esteemed broadcasters. That's right. I always thought that was a little curious because I sure didn't have him as a slam dunk for the hall at that point. No, no, no. And no, now, no. looking back, I mean, I don't, I don't hear that anymore. Like, I don't. Well, think- because he hasn't played. I mean, what's, the, what do you, what's your last memory of Troy Tulowitzki? Running across the bag and falling at first base, sadly, right? <laughs> lower, right. lower me slowly and sadly and properly. Get Rod Cooter to sing my eulogy. Okay, so um, Vladdy Jr. So anyway, I think there were more people at the Buffalo Bisons game than there were at the Argos game. <laughs> Over 10,000 to see Vladdy Jr. in Buffalo. Bisons, by the way, the Bisons are as bad as the Blue Jays. They're 11 games under 500. They're a horrible team. And I got I to gotta tell you, I know that he's seeing AAA pitching, which is better than AA pitching. But he must just be going, man, because he was on a winning team and a good young team in New Hampshire. And here right. he is with ugh, the Buffalo Bisons. He won't be there long. Nah. Well, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying that he, that he might not even get called up in September, to which I think is ridiculous. But they're like, you know, service time and all that nonsense, right? 40 minutes. Anyway, uh, I'd like to see him. Uh, but I think if you hold him back until next year and then you at spring training, you say the job is yours to lose. I think that's the best way to go. So I don't want to see him in September. Let this, let the rest of the season. I just feel be like a, the fan ugh. base would uh, like to see him in September. No, I think you can sell. Give us something to get. Sell. What if he goes O for September? Okay, what if but he, remember the terrible Leaf season before they got Austin Matthews and they uh, they played like Nylander and Marner. Like they played these guys at the end, and it was like. We got we had something to enjoy in a terrible season. I know, but this isn't the Leafs. This is the Blue Jays. I, I get you because I, I they're going to lose a million people in attendance. So maybe you're going to bring up the attendance in September. But I I just think that I mean I got news for you. I don't want to see Vladdy Guerrero Jr. playing on the same team as Jan Hervis Solarte. I don't want I. By the way, yeah. his double yesterday in Buffalo he got some wheels. Kid can run. <laughs> well, I mean, body he, type, he smashed it off the wall and he he hustled out of the box, man. He and a nice little pop up slide. He's got some wheels. He doesn't look like the kind of a, he he's over. They say, oh, he's overweight. He's got that body. 
The guy's well, got some Prince wheels. Fielder, Prince Fielder body, I think. The guy's got some wheels. It works for him. And the other thing was, Prince's dad, Cecil, people don't remember this. When Cecil was a rookie with the Jays, he was, I won't say slender, but he wasn't, wasn't big. He was about the same size as Willie Upshaw. No kidding. He was about 200, 205 pounds maybe and, and pretty solid. He hadn't filled out yet, right? Hadn't right. gone to Japan yet and all that. that. By the way, that year, Upshaw, McGriff, and Cecil Fielder were your three first basemen. Not bad <laughs> Not too at shabby. All. But anyway, so yeah, so um, I, he's hitting 286. He's got an OPS of over nine. It's AAA. It's better than AA. It's on the way to the majors. It's a natural progression. Good. Good for him. It's great. Now, should Johnny Manziel, who, by the way, is now a Montreal Alouette, and they're going to be selling the tickets, uh, more the tickets for the Montreal Alouette game against the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cat, because Johnny Manziel is going to make his uh, starting uh, debut. Now, I can't remember, except for looking at highlights on YouTube or on the CFL TSN games, I don't know what Johnny Manziel looks like as a quarterback. I have no idea. He played for the Cleveland Browns in 1971 or whatever it was. <laughs> it's been so, it's the opposite of Vladdy Guerrero. The hype for Guerrero, like one guy said on Twitter, one of our followers said, uh, oh, well, I mean, you would think that uh, Vladdy Guerrero was the greatest thing in the world. He hasn't even played in the majors. Yeah, but he hit 400 in double A. He's got sort of an Elvis, Tiger Woods, rock star quality to him that's He's you know you chip. can't wait to see him it's like you know it's like the it's like when the black keys first came to town and you had heard all about these guys you'd heard their music and like I, you're dying to see them right you've heard nothing but great things it's the same thing any band comes to town any you know you want to see this guy right let's go see right first time i saw bryce harper in bp that kind of a thing so he's got that quality but really johnny manziel like people are going i could hardly wait to see johnny manziel I'm going to change my schedule so that I can go watch Johnny Manziel start a game for the Montreal Alouettes. Can I, can I uh, raise my hand here, Hebsey? You don't need to raise your hand. These people who are, uh, can't wait to see Johnny Manziel, they're C- CFL diehards, right? I don't know. I guess Because in my are. universe, of, unfortunately, I'm surrounded by friends and family who don't like the CFL. I like it the most out of all of us, believe it or not. Uh, none of them are talking about Johnny Manziel. No, because they're talking about... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Sure you do. Do I? Okay. He was the winning quarterback last night for the Argos <laughs> when they defeated Ottawa 42-41. Right down the street at BMO Field, Mike. Yeah. Okay? 11,000 fans at the game. That's Wolfpack numbers. Yeah. Uh, 11,000. You weren't one of them. I wasn't one of them. We didn't go. Uh, and But but your buddy uh, Cardinal Official. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the halftime. K-Dot. Yeah, was the halftime entertainment. He was really good. And he inspired the Argos in the second half. If he's listening, by the way, Cardinal, he did a really great job. That's a tough crowd. CFL crowd, tough kind of crowd for maybe that kind of... He was great. He had people up and Yeah, they want triumph, right? That's what they want. They want Rick Emmett to come out. I guess. But he was really good. And the Argos, who were horrible in the first... They were training 28-7 at halftime. Came back and then won in the last second of the game. 42-41. to It was thrilling. Exciting. But not enough people were there. Hebsey, I'm saying that because on Sunday, if you want to come back to the hood here, uh, Rick Emmett is playing at the local park for free. Is he really? Damn serious. I might just uh, do that. Is does he? Is are Gil Moore and uh, Mike Levine going to be nearby? I don't think that so. that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But he'll he'll do all your triumph favorites. Love it, love it. All right. So anyway, the Argos as uh, a Johnny Manziel is playing for Montreal tonight. It's a big deal. TSN's hyping the hell out of it. Friday Night Football. TSN. Montreal and Johnny Manziel, return of Johnny Manziel. We've sold thousands of his jerseys. People are just 
everybody in Montreal. That's all they're talking about. They're not talking about the Habs. They're only talking... No, they're not. It's not a huge topic of conversation because the Alouettes are not that good and people aren't flocking to the stadium. And they might get a little bit of a... He might move the needle a little, but not like Vladdy Jr. is going to move the needle in the... In Toronto. So uh, enough with the Johnny Manziel. Let me know what happens in that game. I won't, I'm not going to be watching it. So I have to tell you this story. By the way, <clears throat> I'm 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 doing some moving, and um, I'm opening up boxes where I haven't seen stuff in a while, and I, I come across this really great drawing um, done by the the artist Rob McDougall, who used to be, if you remember, he was the Toronto Suns artist. He used to do all the sports cartoons and stuff like that. Really terrific, talented guy, and he had done a thing of me and Jim Taddy around 1992 or 93, uh, where he sketched us and watercolored it. And I don't know enough about painting or art to, to know how he did this, but it's like a caricature of the two of us sitting on the desk, big smiles on our face. And I hadn't seen this in a long time, and I uncovered it unpacking a box. And I went, this is great. And I took a picture of it. I figured I'm going to put it on Twitter. Look what I found. Yes. Well, the response was phenomenal. Like, you know, Taddy saw it. I mean, you know, I tagged him and I tagged anyway. And people like are just, wow, those are the days. And they're telling stories about, you know, and slogans that we had. And the, the Probert McSorley, one guy writes, he goes, you guys were great. You extended your show to show the entire Probert McSorley fight. And I remember that. I just remember going, like, well, why bother showing like, you know, um, meaningless highlights? Let's show like the whole minute and a half fight, the whole fight, Beauty. which we were allowed to do. There was none of that, oh, you can't, you know, look away. Huh. We would show everything, man. We'd show the whole fight. And we ran that whole fight. And people remember that years later, like, yeah, man, I saw the whole fight on sport live. No YouTube in those days. So it really took off. You know, it was really, it was fun to sort of, you know, take the photo of it and post it and hear what people had to say. One guy, though, is like, Hebsey, I love that line about uh, um, that someone would score a goal, you know, uh, up over the shoulder of a goalie, top of the net. And uh, he says, one guy has, uh, said something like, upstairs where Norman Bates keeps his mother. <laughs> and I wish I could take credit for that, but that was Don Martin's line. I'm pretty Don sure Martin. Don, Don had some pretty clever lines. Everyone did, but that was his line. My line was top shelf where they keep the peanut butter, which morphed into top shelf where they keep the zigzags. <laughs> right. And then all the dope smokers are like, oh, he just made a dope reference, man. He just, and he's wearing an earring, man. You're ahead of the curve, man. If that's a good thing, I okay, I, I accept that. Thank you very much. All right, so um, <clears throat> back then, after Sportsline, I took a job at Q107 and AM640 Radio, and my job was morning sportscaster on the Jesse and Gene show and on with Brother Jake in the Q Morning Zoo. Jesse and Gene were on 640, and Q was... Both was great shows. Great, and I'm the sports guy on both shows in the morning, So, and one studio is down the hall from the other one. It's maybe, you know... 30 feet from one studio to the next. So I'd be on, you know, the top of the hour with, uh, with uh, the morning zoo and then the bottom of the hour with Jesse and Gene. And it was fun. And I was also doing Argo play-by-play and I was doing the Leaf games with Joe Bowen, right? I'm the guy that Jim Ralph replaced 25 years ago or whatever. And he's been doing it. And they just signed a five-year contract. So anyway, um, so I'm doing, I'm doing Argo's play-by-play. I'm doing Leaf's uh, color commentary. And in October one year on the schedule, we've got a, I'm going to say a Saturday night game in Edmonton, all right? And then I've got a Sunday afternoon football game in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I had to do all my own travel arrangements here, okay? This is another thing. It's like, you're on your own. And there's no internet. So I now have to find a way after the Edmonton Argos game 
to get to Shreveport, Louisiana in time for a football game the next day. So this is what happened. The game's over around, I don't know, 10, 10, 30. Yeah. I rush out of there. At the time, Edmonton had a municipal airport, okay? Right downtown. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess it took five minutes to get to the airport from the game, right? Grabbed a cab. And now I'm flying from the Edmonton Municipal Airport to Calgary, all right? And from Calgary, I'm going to get the last flight to Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay? Okay. Get to Salt Lake City, and get to Calgary, and then fly to Salt Lake City. And I get to Salt Lake City. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I have a 6 a.m. flight to Chicago the next morning. The next day, I've got that football game. So I sleep in the at the airport. Yeah, you know I got <laughs> a hotel and I find a bench and I sleep at the airport. And I'm on the six a.m. flight to Chicago. So there's a one hour time zone difference. Right. Chicago's uh, Central Time and Salt Lake City is Mountain Time. So now that six a.m. is now seven a.m. Get to Chicago and I've got a nine a.m. flight out of Chicago local time to Dallas. Okay, oh, and then yeah. from Dallas I'm going to fly to Shreveport. Wow. This is my schedule. I got it all mapped out. It's beautiful. Yeah. All good. So, yep, get on the flight to Salt Lake City, get to Chicago. I've got about 20 minutes to make my connection in Chicago. It's flying me to Dallas. Beautiful. I'm going to get to Dallas at, I'm back to Central Time. Uh, I'm in Central Time now. So I'm going to get to Dallas at about noon. And the flight to Shreveport is 1225. And it gets me in at 1 p.m. to Shreveport. And then cab, football game. Beautiful. Only problem is, is... The flight from Shreve from a Shreve um, Dallas to Shreveport, there's tornado warnings, oh. and they can't fly, and <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I got a, a football game to go to, so I rent a car, and I'm told it's about two and a half hours from Dallas to Shreveport by car, but yeah, if you exceed the speed limit, you can do it in two hours, right? It's twelve thirty. I'm thinking if I fly in two hours, I get there for two thirty. Okay, maybe Lance Chomick takes over, does the first part of the game. I don't know, but this is my only chance because the flight isn't going to go. And there's tornado warnings. And I rent a car, and I'm scooting along I-20. Yeah. And I'm going through Tyler, Texas, which is about, I don't know, halfway to Shreveport or whatever. And I'm thinking, I can make it in two hours. I'm zipping along because it's only like 100, I don't know, 110 miles or 120 miles, something like that. Zipping along, all of a sudden, blue flashing lights in the rear view, okay? Oh. And I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm desperate here, right? It's like an hour to game time, wow. <laughs> right? And I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm an hour and 20 minutes out of Shreveport. Cop oh. pulls me over, license and registration. I say, officer, I said, I'm on my way to do a football game. He goes, a football game? I go, yeah, Shreveport Pirates against the Toronto Argonauts, Canadian Football League. Canadian Football League. So I show him my credentials or whatever I had. And he's going, you're kidding. I didn't even know there was a team. <laughs> Escorts me to the Louisiana oh. border. That's Lights amazing. flashing. I've never seen this. This is what football is like in Texas. Yeah. Football, let's go. Take gets me to the Louisiana border. Seriously. Game. I get there with the rented car, park the car. At, plenty of parking at this stadium. Holds 100,000. <laughs> there were maybe 500 people. <laughs> and then and run up to the broadcast booth. No kidding. And I missed like the first half of the first quarter. Anyway, they announced crowd for that game was 11,000. And I'm here to tell you right now, uh, yeah. they counted fingers and toes. <laughs> There's no way there was more than a couple of thousand people in this 100,000-seat stadium. So when I saw the Argos attendance and I started saw the game, I'm like, ah, there's not, there's not 11,000 people there. That's a real shame. It's too bad. It is too bad because uh, 
Well, that first, that's a great, great story. I love you getting the escort to the border. That's oh my god! Football. I was desperate. I was desperate. <laughs> I, I had nothing I can do, and I, and you know, you, no. would you have got an escort if it was a hockey game? <sighs> no, had to be football. No. So, uh, and that was um, that was very exciting, and and that's when you know the CFL had teams in Baltimore, Memphis, oh, yeah. San Antonio, um, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Las Vegas and Sacramento, I think, were in the league, but they weren't at that particular time. And remember, of course, Baltimore won a great cup. Yeah, Stallions. Yeah. That was the best press box. That was the old municipal stadium where the Baltimore Colts played. And oh, when yeah. I was calling the game, I, I, I imagined Johnny Unitas coming out of the tunnel, you know, the great Baltimore Colts teams and, and the voice of John Facenda, you know, the Colts with Johnny And, of course, that iconic horseshoe logo is, one of the, to me, one of the great logos. That was a pre-Ravens, of course. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Were, they were hungry for some football. Some they totally football. were. Okay, so listen. Um, I've This was sort of off format today. We were kind of like you know, all over the place. Normally, I have an interview. I didn't even have the time to do that. So my apologies. Um, but I promise on the next podcast, I'll have an interview of, I think I'll find a Hall of Fame or somebody. Maybe Meadowlark Lemon, the late Meadowlark Lemon. Did a great interview with him um, on the golf course. Like, as he's waiting to hit his second shot on a par five, I'm like, have you got two minutes? He goes, I got about two minutes. I'd love to hear and that. It was good. It was really, really good. So um, so that's it for this edition of the show. Hebsey on sports. And thanks to our sponsors, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. And John Vassos, the mortgage agent who specializes in mortgages. He's not a jeweler. He's not the big bank either. Call or text John with your questions, 647 535 1440. Any question you've got about mortgages, debt consolidation, all that stuff. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. And check out his page, torontomike.com. You can follow me as Hebsy Man on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So thanks for allowing us into your headspace. So long for now. <laughs>